This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So how have you been this week, my friend? Doing good. Doing good. Had a, a very busy week at work, but I've had a very relaxing weekend. Did next to nothing yesterday, and uh, pretty much the same thing today. I've uh, just been kind of relaxing as much as possible. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it, to have a nice relaxing weekend? Oh, it's so, so good. I, I actually, I feel somewhat recharged for the week. Uh, me too. I actually got to do pretty much nothing today, and uh, it was glorious. And I took a nap too. That was nice. Uh, I'm <laughs> jealous of that. I, I can't take naps because if I do, I won't want to sleep at night. Uh, the same with me. I actually wanted to, I could have just stayed asleep all afternoon through the night, but I knew I needed to get up because I, I'll never go to sleep tonight if I didn't. Well, plus you still have to do the show. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't sleep <laughs> through this. <laughs> Actually, um, I do have a plug. Uh, I did the Current Geek podcast on Friday evening, uh, which you can find at um, at Current Geek on Twitter. Uh, and it's also um, just go to frogpants.com and that'll lead you to all the Frog Pants podcast. And um, it was really fun. It was my second appearance on there. And um, I love doing that show. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. And I'll do a plug of my own. This past Saturday, I did a Facebook Live video um, over on the Nerd Cave Network page, just I kind of that. a you know a Q and A thread. And um, for those who missed it, the audio for it will be on this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, which will be out on Tuesday. Awesome. Oh yeah, and uh, I wanted to say that uh, I was on the Current Geek podcast with another uh, filmmaker. She won an, a Student Academy Award, and uh, there's nowhere to watch her movie online right now uh, until their festival run is over, um, but she did give me um, access to be able to watch it. Um, it's called Rocket, and whenever it comes out, I, I'll let people. I'll keep an eye on it and let people know when they can go watch it. It is fantastic. The cinematography is beautiful on that movie, and the acting is well done. Um, it was very deserving of the Student Academy Award that she won. So uh, everybody keep an eye out for a movie called Rocket. And I think uh, on Twitter, let me look it up real quick. I think the Twitter account is Rocket the Film. Let me just make So is sure. this a student film? I think it was, yeah. She's actually going for her master's. And her, um, let's see. And her name was Brenna uh, Rocket. Because that's yeah, awesome if it's a student film. Yeah, it's at Rocket the Film on Twitter. Okay. So go check that out. It's it's such a good movie. Rocket the Film. Yeah. I will go <clears throat> check that out after uh, after the show. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get moved into our retro news for the week. 
This comes to us from the dailydot.com. If you want to brush up on your retro gaming knowledge, there's a new web series out. Uh, it's on YouTube's Distractatron channel. Uh, and there are a lot of early game consoles that get overshadowed by more the memorable Atari classics. Some like the color TV game produced in 1977 by Nintendo <coughs> were only sold in Japan. So they have a bit of an excuse for not remembering them. But the Fairchild Channel F, they just totally blanked on that one. I'm not sure. I, I haven't read this part yet. So I'm just basically go to the Distractatron channel because this article's written kind of weird. But you can actually look up the uh, the actual um, show. It's because the Hitch history of video game consoles. Um, and it's on the Distractatron channel. Go check that out. And um, I wish I'd have actually read that better so <laughs> that people would know what I'm talking about. But the article's written really kind of weird, but you don't really need to watch the article. Just go look at the, um, they actually have, if you go to the article on the Daily Dot, they have a link there to the YouTube channel. And it looks like a really cool um, web series, which I'm going to start uh, checking it out tonight. I love the thumbnail on the video like it just screams retro advertisement yes it does <laughs> it looks so good and uh, as far as the whole way the article was written it's not just the daily diet i've seen other articles and i won't call this a rant but if you're a professional you know journalist page spell check and grammar check i think are very essential yeah, because I can't these... tell you how many times I see typos on like professional websites and it bothers me. Yeah, like these sentence structures, like I have no idea what they're talking about. All I did was I went to the article and immediately like checked out the, the YouTube channel. So I really didn't read it too closely, but um, just go check out the channel. It's Distractatron on YouTube and it's the history of video game consoles. Yeah, I'll definitely watch the the first video after we finish the podcast because it it sounds like it'll be a really cool thing to watch. Yeah, and there's another show that's really good too on YouTube that I watch. It's um let's see, it's the history what is let me look it up real quick. It's a really good, well produced show. Um and the channel is I'm sorry, I probably should have looked this up beforehand. Um if I can get my channels to come up. All Don't right. you love YouTube? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right, here. It's on the RetroWare channel, and the show is called The Video Game Years. And they start in, I think it's the late 70s where it starts, and it ends in actual, like, 1990, I think they ended, or 1989. So basically, they go through each year, and uh, it's like 10 to 15-minute episodes, uh, and there's like um, four to five parts per year. So it's a really long, you know, it, it takes a while to get through it. But once you start watching it, it's very, very addictive. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that one out, too. The great thing about YouTube are series like this that wouldn't be on any other like cable or satellite TV channel. And it's, you know, it's very easy to access. And it's it's stuff that I'm interested in. 
And I, I think that's great. Yeah. And the video game years are shot or, you know, the, the show structure is almost like this should have been like an actual show on like the history channel or something like that. It's very well done. And I enjoyed every second of it. And, you know, they go through so like, it's just a trip down memory lane is all it is. Absolutely. But moving into our last bit of news, this comes to us from RetroGamer.net. Canceled Dreamcast game Millennium Racer has been unearthed. Earlier this week, Dreamcast owners were thrilled to learn about the discovery of an unreleased and seemingly complete game for the system. Millennium Racer Y2K Fighters. I love that title. <laughs> a conversion of a futuristic racing game that originally appeared on the PC. It was developed by Russian studio... Crete, C-R-E-A-T, Media, and was to be published by Cryo Interactive. The conversion barely mentioned to the press at the time was found on a Katana development kit, and adjustments were made by a Japanese underscore cake to get it working. The game itself is a fairly unique prep uh, proposition with five-player races taking place on multi-tiered tracks, which allow players to jump between levels in order to find faster routes. It's not visually spectacular, but it's certainly a solid addition to the Dreamcast library and one which easily outshines the likes of Pod 2 and Magforce Racing. I, I had never heard that this was in development because, to be honest, the Dreamcast, with the exception of the Sonic games, really kind of passed me by. Yeah. But I always think it's cool you know, hearing about games like this that were finished or close to being finished that were just never released and they're, they're just found. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> the uh, the Dreamcast came and went so fast that I'm sure this is, you know, they're going to be finding more and more games that were scheduled and and starting to be made but never saw the light of day. I don't think this is the last time we're going to hear of games that have been unearthed for the Dreamcast. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, the the Dreamcast, I didn't hate the system. But to me, Sega was, I don't want to say irrelevant, but they they weren't a huge player anymore yeah. in the console market. So they did, you know, what they should have done. They Once the Dreamcast was done, they went on to just making games, which I, I think is best for them. Yeah, and there's, there's a very um, loyal community to the Dreamcast. Uh, people love that console. That's why it's so hard to find, um, you know, at flea markets and things like that, because people who love the Dreamcast will go out and just buy every little thing they can find um, to keep their Dreamcast up and running. You know, like people love that system. The people that bought it love it, but I just never got into it. No, I didn't either. I played the Sonic games for it much like the Genesis, but that was really about it. Yeah. Oh, well. It may, yeah. You know, Sega tried, but, you know, close but no cigar. I mean, they couldn't keep up with, like, the Nintendo 64, the Playstations. You know, I would love to have seen what Sega could have done if they would have really gotten their footing, but, you know, they, there was just so much competition by this time that, you know, it just kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. But uh, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In 1983, in March, Namco releases Mappy, a side-scrolling platform game that features cartoon-like animals, primarily cats and mice. The game's main character itself is a mouse, 
Mappy runs on Namco Super Pac-Man hardware modified to support horizontal scrolling. The name Mappy is likely derived from Mappo, a Japanese slang term for a policeman. I've never heard of this game before. Me neither. I don't even know if this came out in America. But we can find out. Hmm, let's, let's see. Mappy. Oh, the box art looks interesting. It looks like a children's book. This looks really familiar. Um, it says it was introduced uh, in 1983. It was distributed to the United States by Bally Midway. Um, I guess it must have never come to like a console. I think it was strictly nope. an arcade game. Yeah, that's what it's saying here. Interesting. Weird. Like I have seen this art somewhere, so maybe I saw this cons this uh this arcade cabinet when I was a kid, but as soon as I saw this, like some flash of memory came in my head. You know, the gameplay screenshot reminds me of the game Burger Time. Yes, it does a lot. That I played for arcade. Interesting. Hmm. It does you, know, look, the you can definitely tell it's uh it's Pac-Man, the the Pac-Man engine, so to speak, because the just the way it looks. Yeah. I, I actually really like the artwork. Hmm. It, it looks like it belongs on a children's book. Yeah. Interesting. And in March of 1985, Takan releases Gridiron Fight, an American football sports game featuring the use of dual trackball controls. I've never heard of this game either, and there are no screenshots whatsoever. I haven't either. I let me look that up real quick. Gridiron Fight. It's a two-dimensional top-down scrolling American football game in which the players control the virtual player on their team who is closest to the ball with the trackball determining the speed and direction at which the player runs. A single push button labeled kick causes the virtual player in possession to release the ball with the same force and direction in which he is currently running. Okay, I'm, I'm using uh, Google Images. The actual machine, like the arcade machine, looks really cool. It's um, You have uh, two players who can stand on either side of the machine, and they each control you know, their team that way. Hmm. Um, little, I don't want to say it's a little bit like Tech Mobile because the, the view is completely different. With Tech Mobile, it's side-to-side. -side. Yeah. With this, it's top-down. But I actually think I like the top-down better. I mean, that's... That's the view that all, you know, current football games use now. Yeah. So it's it's kind of I don't wonder if this was the first football game to use that. I don't know. I would imagine so. I mean, this is 1985, so I don't remember. I would think so. If if so, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't remember too many trackball games before that, but I mean, I'm sure there were. Um I can let's see there were I think maybe um Oh, what was the name of that game? Uh, crap, I can't remember the name of it. There was one, it was a vector graphics where you were kind of going through this tunnel and you were like, oh man, what was the name of that game? All right, let's move on before my brain breaks. <laughs> <laughs> In 1998, on March 10th, Yoshi's Story was released for the Nintendo 64. Uh, I reviewed Yoshi's Island a couple of weeks ago, and the I guess the sequel to that was Yoshi's Story. Um, that game, I enjoyed it for what it was. 
Um, the game is itself is very short. You can tell it's definitely made for kids. Yeah. Because you know you could beat the game in, you know, maybe an hour, or a little bit over. But it, it wow. introduced, you know, like the, uh, the black and white colored Yoshi's. Um, the story I thought was was pretty interesting. It was the first solo Yoshi game. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not bad. I I enjoyed Yoshi's story. Yeah, I never played it. This was well after my time. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this was actually before I got back into video games. I didn't get back into video games until around 99. Uh, I actually got a Nintendo 64 kind of at the end of their, their cycle. I think I bought it for like a hundred bucks at Toys R Us. Um, and it was the Star Wars pod racer edition. Mm -hmm. So I kind of missed all this stuff before, like the Yoshi story and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of. I was kind of out of that kind of gaming by then. Yeah. Yeah, if, if no one's played it and you're a Yoshi fan, you should definitely check it out. But, you know, it's it's not a game that's really going to offer a challenge. Yeah. It's it's a very, very short game. And in March 31st of 1998, StarCraft was released for N64. And StarCraft is a military science fiction media franchise created by Chris Metzen and owned by Blizzard Entertainment. Now, Chris Metzen is a name that I've known for a long time because he is the mastermind behind like Warcraft, World of Warcraft, all that stuff. And he actually just retired uh, late last year, um, which is weird to think somebody retiring when they're like in their early 40s. But this dude put out so much content over the last 20 something years. Um, and I didn't actually know that StarCraft had had been released on the N64. I always thought it was strictly a uh, a computer game. I did too. There are some people who love them some StarCraft. There are people that there, people still play competitive StarCraft. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. StarCraft has a huge following still. Yeah, especially it's, I've never in, I've never played it, but it, it's crazy the following that game has. I think it's the. Uh, it's a huge economy in like South Korea. Like it's crazy how much people love this game and play it still. Yeah, it says day. here the series has gathered a solid following around the world, particularly in South Korea yeah. where professional players and teams participate in matches, earn sponsorships and compete in televised matches. By June of 2007, Starcraft and brood war had sold nearly 10 million copies combined. Wow. And they're supposed to be doing a uh, um, a re-release of StarCraft here soon, uh, an updated, um, what do they call it, uh, remastered StarCraft. Uh, and that'll be interesting when that comes out, because I, I never really got into StarCraft. I've never really been a huge fan of, like, real-time strategy. Like, they're always fun for a couple of minutes, but then I always kind of get bored with it. But I, I'd love to go back and, and play this whole StarCraft thing from the beginning and then play up through StarCraft 3. Yeah, I personally have never touched a StarCraft game. I've watched people play it. It looks like a lot of fun, but it's also one of those things that I knew if I got into it would suck up all of my time. <laughs> yeah. So I'll probably stay away <laughs> from it. Uh and actually, um, let's go ahead and before we go into the review for this week, Derek has some words about books. 
Yes, we all love books. And for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as Jason mentioned at the beginning of the show, they have a ton of books to choose from, over 180,000. Um, I'm still listening to Star Wars Bloodline. I'm almost finished with it. My goal is for next week's show to be finished with Bloodline and start another book. Uh, I'm loving it so far. It's um, I'll say the shit hasn't hit the fan yet, but it has <laughs> been thrown in that direction. Yeah. Uh, it's It's so good. That book is it's definitely so, so a slow burn. I do recommend it, but I, I will caution that it's a lot of information to have to take yes. in in one book. Yes, it is. It's I can't remember what chapter I'm on. I think I'm on 21 or 22. And like the you can tell that something major is going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. I know exactly what you're talking about. Does it have to do with a, a reveal? Yes. Of some sort? Yes, yes. And when that, that reveal happens, uh, it's heartbreaking. I can only imagine. But to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And actually, I had a little trouble finding the music of what I wanted to use for the reveal of this week's um, review, but here we go. Yeah, the music's not great for this game. <laughs> oh, and not man. much to choose from either. There's maybe like six or seven different little themes to choose from, and, and they all sound awful. I feel like the title of that should be a generic 8-bit soundbite one. Yeah, uh, it's pretty amateurish sounding. But The Three Stooges is a video game originally released by Cinemaware in 1987 for the Commodore Amiga based on the Three Stooges. In the game, players control Mo, Larry, and Curly in many games based on classic Stooges films with the aim of raising enough money to save an or orphanage. The game was later ported to the Apple IIGS, Commodore 64, NES, and the Game Boy Advance, and a remake of the game was also released for Microsoft Windows and Apple Macintosh. Uh, where do I even start? <clears throat> It's not so much a game. It's a game of many games. Um, if you kind of if you get what I'm saying, there's there's no mm -hmm. there, there's like an overarching storyline where the three Stooges have to save an orphanage, which is it's almost just like the the same uh, plot as the the three Stooges movie that came out a few years ago. Did you ever see that? I did not. It was not worth it. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> but it's that same plot. And what you have to do is there, it, and it says on here that the game designer, John Cutter, designed the game as a kind of board game, which is kind of true. So basically what happens is, is there's this like thing on the top of the screen uh, that there's a hand that moves from square to square and there's different mini games to play. And you have to um, stop the hand 
on whatever mini game you want to play. So th- there's a you, you, so you have to kind of get the timing down of what you actually want to play. But there's different mini games where like and they each take like one of the the old Stooges films. Like one of them was uh, over was about punch drunks. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. Were you a big Three Stooges fan at all? I watched it a little bit. Uh, my dad was a huge Stooges fan, and I, you know, I caught glimpses of it, but um, not. I was never too big into the Stooges. No. Yeah, I love the Stooges. I still do to this day, uh, and that's you know, I really wish that they could redo this game today with all the different Stooges because actually, and I'll admit this right now, Curly is not my favorite third Stooge. My favorite third stooge is Shimp, and I really wish that they would have had Shimp in this game um, because it is enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. It's it's fun to play for about five minutes, and then it gets really tedious. But there's different ones. They have it with the one that's based on punch drunks where uh, Curly gets super strength by hearing the song Three Blind Mice. And at the place that they're doing it, like... Larry in, in the actual movie or film, Larry is playing his uh his violin and he's playing three blind mice and then Curly gets all crazy and he's beating up the dude in the in the ring. Uh and then his violin gets broken. So he has to run across town, grab a radio and that's playing uh three blind mice and then run all the way back to the the arena where Curly's boxing. Because he's getting his ass kicked while Larry's going to get the 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 radio, and the game you have to run across town as Larry, but it's really hard. It's like a it's like a platformer almost. You're watching, then the screen is split. You got Curly on the top of the screen in the ring getting murdered by <laughs> the other boxer, and you have uh, you're you're on a countdown timer to get back to the arena. So you're running through the streets on the sidewalk. And the bad thing is, is the way the, the plane, like the straight on view, you can't tell where things are. So you're constantly running into things, uh, you know, like getting knocked down. You can't jump over things because you can't tell where you are in the space of the screen. So that's a, it, and it's just not well designed. Um, and it's almost impossible to win that, you know, mini game because it's the, the controls are just awful. Uh, there's another mini game where Curly is, um, trying to eat clam chowder and the clams keep, um, eating all of his crackers and you've got to save the crackers from the clams by, uh, moving the, his hand with the spoon around the screen over the bowl and get the crackers out of the soup before the clams eat them. And it's really hard to control with the Nintendo controller. Um, and there's various other mini games where you play, where you're slapping each other and you have like a slap meter, uh, things like that. But the problem is, is with the game, it would be a lot of fun. I think if I could play it on the computer with a, a mouse and keyboard, uh, instead of trying to use the, the, the Nintendo controller, I think with a mouse, it would be a lot more fun, but, it's just it's a game that's just fundamentally broken. 
Uh, and I had a lot. I remember had good memories of this game when I was a kid back in the 80s because I love the Stooges and I love this game. But playing it now is this game is just fundamentally broken. I was actually my my biggest question was going to be if they had any of like the the slapstick physical comedy. But you talking about the game where you have to slap each other. Yeah, that just sounds like classic Stooges to me. It is. And, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, there's a, a pie throwing level and it's the thought like it could be really fun, but the execute, the execution was not good on this game. If you get my meaning. Yeah. It sounds to me like this game would have maybe been perceived a little bit better if it were made just strictly as like a collection of mini games as opposed to having just, you know, a central story where you do all of these mini games. Kind of like the, I don't know if anyone's ever played the WarioWare games that started, I think, for Game Boy Advance, but it's literally just a collection of mini games. Yeah. And it's a really fun game to play. And, you know, maybe if they did that and fixed the controls a bit, maybe it would have been better received. Yeah. And that's like this game, too. I think <clears throat> if they'd have spent a little more time on it because it feels like one of those games that was just really rushed and not, mm -hmm. not a lot of thought put into it. The actual execution, um, it could have been so much better and maybe, maybe the computer versions are better. I've never played the other versions of this game for like the Amiga or the Apple two or Commodore 64. Only one I've ever played was the NES game. So I, I can't speak for the other ones, but the NES game is definitely not, good that's unfortunate so what uh what would you give this on a scale of one to ten uh for nostalgia factor it, it gets a five but execution gets three so wow. i'm gonna split the difference and give it a four that's one of the lowest reviews we've ever given on this show yeah it, i will it's better <laughs> it's more fun than Fester's Quest, I'll give it that. But it just doesn't have any sort of like replay value or nothing about this game makes me want to play it. You know, like Fester's Quest, I can go so long without playing that game, it tricks you into going, maybe it was me, maybe I should try it again. And then you try it and then it still sucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But this one is it, just not it, it. There's nothing about this game that makes me want to play it. I find it interesting that they remade this game for the Game Boy Advance. Like that, that that's a that's kind of an odd choice because I know that Nintendo went through a phase where they released, you know, like Mario Brothers and Zelda and other classic NES games for the Game Boy Advance. Three Stooges seems like a very random choice to me. Yeah, I don't know why they would. This would be one of the ones they would pick to redo for that. That that is really odd to me. Well, that's uh, that's unfortunate that the game got that low of a review. Hmm. And uh, there was something here. I've never actually seen the ending of this game because I never it never held my attention long enough to actually try to beat it. Because you can actually raise enough money to uh, save the orphanage. Um, several different game endings are possible depending on the amount of money the player has earned. These range from the banker foreclosing on the orphanage due to the Stooges' inability to collect enough money to pay the rent 
to the orphanage being saved and renovated and the Stooges marrying the owner's three daughters. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the fun things about this game is when you first start this game up, it tricks you. It starts off with the Ghostbusters logo. And you're thinking, really? what, what is, what is this? Why is there a Ghostbusters uh, logo on here? And it says it used a slightly edited version of the Ghostbusters title screen in order to promote Ghostbusters 2 and included an extra soundbite of Curly saying, hey, fellas, we're in the wrong game. And then after he says that, um, uh, Larry says, hey, this looks like a kid's game. And then the game actually starts at that point. That's pretty clever. Like, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I'm like, why, you know, them promoting the movie. I'm like, eh, that might be a little much. But no, that's that's pretty funny. I yeah, because like I had actually for, forgot that happened. And when I got this game a while back, I popped it in and the Ghostbusters logo came up and I was like, what is this? Interesting. But, uh, but yeah, all in all, I mean, if you're a Three Stooges fan like I am, it's worth having just to have. If you are like, you know, collect Three Stooges things like I actually have like a little Three Stooges poster up in the corner of my office here. I love the Three Stooges. But if you're just a, you know, a regular collector or whatever and you want some good games for, you know, your Nintendo system, I don't recommend it because it's not going to hold your attention at all. That's unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. But um, for next week, um, I'm going to be reviewing. Uh, we'll be going back to the world of Donkey Kong Country. Sweet. And I'll be reviewing Donkey Kong Country Two: Diddy's Conquest. And I, I will say this as a tease: this is my favorite Donkey Kong Country game. Awesome! I've never even played it or even seen it, so it's going to be interesting to hear you talk about it. Yeah, it's um, I've kind of been going through um, a little bit of a, a retro um, retro gaming uh, soundtrack phase. Like I'll listen to retro gaming music at work while I'm, you know, editing videos or making graphics. A channel that everyone should check out. Go to YouTube and search for Retro Remix Review, and that's R E V U E. This guy does uh, remixes of classic video game themes, and they're really, really good. Awesome. I'm going to check that out. Some of them I actually like a little bit better than the originals even. Awesome. So definitely uh, definitely check that out. And one of the songs I listened to was from Donkey Kong Country 2. So um, I'm excited to talk about that next week. Next week, uh, and we're already in the month of April. Oh, that's right. Fantastic. So we'll, it's, it's crazy. I'm going to be 40 years old in May. It's creeping wow. up, man. It's creeping up. I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, it's all good. Why? Hey, why do I have to age? It's, uh, it's like that old saying, you're as young as you feel, which if that's the case, then I'm like 95. Yeah, I'm about 96, somewhere around there. <laughs> but in honor of you doing uh, Donkey Kong Country... Uh, Two, I will do the week after. I'll do Donkey Kong Classics for the NES. I will just stay in the Kong jungle for a yes. couple of weeks. I like it. Let's do that. But uh, I think that's going to be the end of the show. Is there anything else you wanted to plug before we got out of here? Um, 
I don't think so. Um, you, you know, just on uh, on Tuesday, check out the Derek Diamond Experience on all podcasting platforms. You can check out the audio version of the Facebook AMA I did this past weekend. I talk about, you know, some of the stuff I've been up to uh, lately because I haven't been really a part of the Nerd Cave as much. Um, you know, talk about the new Power Rangers movie, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, give some advice on podcasting and various things like that. So it was it was a fun time. You know, I had several people stop by and and chat for a few. So um, it was a lot of fun. So definitely check that out on Tuesday. On Thursday, we'll have our wrestling podcast, Battle of the Brands, and we do have WrestleMania next weekend, so we'll be doing our predictions for that. On Friday will be the Nerd Cave podcast with Zach and Robbie. And then Saturday uh, is your podcast, Pop Culture Palette. Yes, and uh, we actually, this last week, uh, we did, I think it was episode 130, with um, returning guest Joey Image, who is a wrestler, uh, uh, ex-pro wrestler. Um, He came on the show again to co-host with us. And also, we did our Patreon-only special edition episode with Joey Image that that show you can only get if you're a Patreon supporter of the Pop Culture Palette. So you could head over to patreon.com slash palette, and we actually have a preview of that episode up there that you can listen to a little snippet of the episode and then uh, you know make your decision if you want to help out the show. And a uh, little as a dollar a month will get you that free episode every month. Speaking of Joey Image, uh, he will be coming on to the Derek Diamond Experience show soon as well. Awesome. He's a great guy and a great interview. You're going to have a really fun time talking to him. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, check out all of those shows. Um, you can follow the Nerd Cave on Twitter at Nerd Cave Vids. You can follow the Derek Diamond Experience at D Diamond Podcast. You can follow Battle of the Brands at BOTB underscore podcast. And uh, you can follow Nerd Cave Network and Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook as well. Uh, same with Pop Culture Palette. It's at PCP Show and Facebook.com slash Pop Culture Palette. And uh, yeah, follow this show too, at Nerd Cave Retro. Um, but uh, also, uh, like I said, before we go, don't forget to go check out the episode of Current Geek I was on last week. You can find that at frogpants.com. And uh, let's go ahead and we'll get out of here if I can turn this up. Uh, if you can go to nerdcaveretro.com, which is our own website. You can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And one of these days, I'll learn how to work a soundboard. <laughs> and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. Uh, you can follow us individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cave Retro. And Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.